Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I want to talk to you this morning about how to move from darkness to light. I want to talk about uh, principles, uh, some, pardon me, some promises of Christmas. Um, and I just wanted to go back to that song for a minute. And it says, part of the song says, from the lowest high, from the highest high, pardon me, to the lowest of the low, the stable tells the story of the distance you will go for the lonely and the lost. There's no sinner too far gone to find a savior lying in a manger. Pastor Nelson wrote this uh, regarding the theme of uh, uh, this morning's message. The Bible tells us the angels are in wonder at the beauty, the plan, and the purpose of Christmas. I don't know if you watch you know, Christmas movies, old ones, new ones, whatever, but they always portray these angels as being, you know, uh, that they're the wonder and they're the beauty. But they're really not the wonder and the beauty. The wonder and the beauty is Jesus Christ in the manger. And uh, anyway, the Bible tells us the angels are in wonder at the beauty, the plan, and the purpose of Christmas, three purposes of Christmas that caused the angels to be in amazement Each of these purposes is a foundation for our full and joyful life at at all times and in all ways and in all circumstances. Even if you're stressed out about Christmas shopping, you know, that's probably maybe the least of your stresses. Um, I want you to think about that this morning. Um, From the manger to the cross. It's all about that. When we think about Christmas, it's from the manger to the cross. We can't keep the two separate. It's not just, you know, kind of one event and then, well, you know, around in March, April, we'll celebrate Easter, but there's a complete story here. Um, Let me read you Luke 2, 8 to 16. And uh, I'm just going to stand up here. I'm not, I just kind of need to sit sometimes. But um, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. This story, first of all, talks about the first purpose of Christmas. The first purpose of Christmas is celebration. It says there was angels there keeping their flocks at night, tending them, looking after them, 
And the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and like I said, you know, we, and, and they were terrified. And of course, if an angel showed up here today, we'd probably be, you know, kind of wondering. I mean, we're, we're worried about the Grinch. I think an angel would uh, be more terrifying in a sense. But that was their culture, right? That was what, an angel of the Lord. I mean, they knew all about that uh, because they had read it in the Bible, they'd been taught it, these, these shepherds. Uh, you know, they had, they'd been to the synagogue as little kids. And they heard about angels and the angels that visited this one and that one in the Old Testament. He, the angel said to them, do not, bring, uh, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, this is good news of great joy. Why do we celebrate? Because it's good news of great joy. It's not just a happening. Now, Christmas can be a happening in your house. It can be a happening that comes along once a year. You know, you prepare for it. You know, you might get your Christmas shopping done in August. No, never. Uh, you might get your Christmas shopping done in November. You might get your Christmas shopping done in early December. You might not have your Christmas shopping done yet. especially for my wife. She does everything else. Um, but anyway, these angels, these, these shepherds were terrified. It wasn't just a happening. Christmas was not just a happening. Because a happening depends on happiness. And we try to make everybody happy at Christmas, maybe, by getting the right gift. But the first purpose of Christmas is celebration. It absolutely is. It's the reason that we as believers, followers of Christ, can move from our circumstances, which, you know, we have problems. How many have problems here? You're lying. You don't have anything in your hand. Everybody has problems. Everybody, maybe you don't have any right now. Everybody has problems. They have circumstances. They have things. And the message of Christmas can move us from kind of the dark side of that stuff that gets our heads involved and we get stressed out or whatever it is and it can move us into the light because that's the picture of the manger. It absolutely is. See, your position, if you're a Christian, your position is in the light. That may not be your circumstance, but your position is absolutely in the light. That's where we, that's where we live. We live in the light of Jesus. We live with a view of the manger, which always points to the cross. And that's not just kind of some kind of positive thinking. It's fact-based on this fact that the story of Christmas is uh, that God sent his son into the world, his one and only son, the perfect sacrifice. You know... You see pictures of the manger. Even that one they were painting up there, nice picture. Man, it's just flowing and moves from one scene to the other in that video. And at the end, we get a really a pretty nice picture of a manger. Um, we have a manger outside here. We got one up there too. We got two mangers. One will have animals around it on Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve. Bring people to see the animals and bring them to and come on in here and celebrate Christmas with us. Um, but, you know, there's nothing really very glorious about a manger. 
We've quite smoothed it over, actually. You know? Um, even building a manger kind of out of two-by-fours is actually smoothing it over because I don't think they had two-by-fours back then. They had wood, they had stuff, but I don't know. It was, it was probably, how many know what rough grade is? Probably rough grade. Uh, but we've quite smoothed it over. Even, here's the thing, and I don't know if this happens anymore, but it happened to me when I was a kid. Even your kids wearing bedclothes and towels on their head as shepherds doing a manger scene, I mean, that's even a step up, I think. Anybody do that anymore? You can buy, probably go to Costco and buy really nice uh, costumes of, or on Amazon or whatever. You can buy a really nice costume now for your kid. But uh, I'm experienced. I used to wear towels and maybe you did bed sheets and things like that. Anybody do that? Anybody see their kid do that this year? Yeah, still doing it. Okay, that's good. But it is still a step up. Because it's probably in a warm auditorium. You know, it's... Uh, anyway, it, you know what I mean. So, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, gave up all the glories of heaven. Can you imagine? And came as a baby. He set it all aside. The glories of heaven. Well, we don't really even know what the glories of heaven are, but we can learn from the scripture some of the things. We don't actually know them. But they set that all aside. He became one of us. He humbled himself even to the point of coming here and to the point of death on the cross. Um, and he identifies with us. And he identifies with you. He identifies with your struggles. Maybe you've got some struggles that are coming on you right now at the Christmas season. I don't know what they are. They're anxieties or they're maybe, maybe you're just stubborn. Whatever you are. Maybe, maybe you, this kind of season just gets your goat, so to speak, and I guess that would be the place to get your goat would be in a manger, but um, you have a temper or something. You got some of this stuff going on, and, and, it, and it's the pressures. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's school. Maybe it, whatever. But Jesus gave up the glories of heaven that you might have victory he accepted the limits of humans so that, and that of a baby, and came to the most awful conditions, to a stable. Not really, you know, not a fancy stable. How many have ever been in a fancy stable? I've been in fancy stables, but they're nice. I've seen some really nice stables. I've seen some bad stables too. But this is... You know, this is more like a cave, actually, they say. And someone comes as a king. He's the king of heaven. And he doesn't come to the best hotel. That's good news, really. You've got enough, you know, people that think they're the kings of heaven living in the best hotels or whatever. Uh, but this was a babe in a manger who was the Lord of glory. He came from light to darkness to get us to come from darkness to light. And that's why we celebrate this Christmas. We, through his coming as a babe in a manger to fulfill the mission to die on the cross for, for our sins, that's our benefit. We celebrate. 
We celebrate that about this lowly babe, says that in the hymns, that came to a manger. You know, have you ever thought about it? I remember this came across me many, many years ago when somebody said, I think it was one of my, you know, and I had just become a Christian and I was in Bible college. And they said, do you realize that God, the baby that came to the manger, was a flesh and blood baby? It wasn't just, you know, you have the baby, usually you might have someone play it. You might have some little kid play it in your church or in your Sunday school, or you might have a doll. This is a, and now it's a flesh and blood baby, but he's only in that manger for like two minutes or something, right? But think about that. A flesh and blood baby came. He humbled himself and came as a babe. Now, what does that tell us? First of all, under this celebration, we ought to celebrate because it tells us that God loves us. And he loves you. And that's not just a nice saying. You know, you can say it. Well, everybody might say it in church. Well, I love you. Or you're loved. You can say that. You can read a scripture about it. But it's not just words. It's the greatest expression in all the world. God loves you because he gave up his life. He came to this world as God in the flesh. You know the scripture really well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. This is love. Here's another scripture. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. That he loved us and sent his son. First as a baby in a barn. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. One other uh, version says this, a a sacrifice to clear away our sins, to blot them out forevermore. And we ought to celebrate that. So God loves us. We also should celebrate God is with us. Isaiah foretold it and wrote it. Joseph, when the angel met with him to say, you know, don't put your wife away. Take your wife and because she's... Uh, pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Don't divorce her. And the angel said, the Lord will give you a sign and the virgin will conceive and bear a son and she will, and she will call him Emmanuel. And you got to get with the program, Joseph. And he did. You know how to move from darkness to light is to thoroughly understand that he loves you, that he is with you, and you say, well, you don't know my problems. No, I don't. You don't know my stuff. No, I don't. But we all have stuff. And he says to us, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you and abandon you. Now, there's a, a, a number of people, a lot of people that have this abandonment. They can have abandonment issues. Any one of us could, for a time, or, you know, something's happened in our childhood, or something's happened, you know, uh, in a relationship, and you felt abandoned. God says to you, I will never leave you 
or abandon you. I'm not trying to make light of a broken relationship, but what I am doing is saying, he's there. He is absolutely there for you. God is for us. That's number three under celebrate. We celebrate that. Celebrate that God is for us, that God loves us, that God is with us. He's with us. He's for us. He's... And again, go back to that scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And, but the, the next verse there, which we often forget, is God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it. And you might think, man, I've done some pretty rotten things. And you may have done some bad things yesterday. You may have done some things that maybe weren't even pleasing to God last night, this morning, whatever. But he says to you, I will never leave you or forsake you. I didn't come into this world to condemn it, but to save it. And he didn't, and, and he didn't come to you to condemn you. And sometimes people condemn us. Sometimes our own hearts condemn us. Sometimes we've been condemned so much that we get a, almost like a complex about condemnation. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. So make a celebration, that foundation for all you do, uh, not only this Christmas, but throughout the year for a full, for a thriving life. Celebrate that baby in the manger. Because that baby in the manger went to the cross for you. Then the second purpose of Christmas is salvation. It says in this scripture we've been reading, today in the town of David, a Savior. That's a, un, underline that, circle it, has been born for you. It's not a Savior for my friend over there who seems very spiritual. Or for that, per, I mean, he came to save him from that. I mean, the pride of that, maybe. But... He came to you to be your personal savior. My story briefly is I was raised in a home, in a church, that didn't talk about personal saviors. I knew about Jesus. I knew about God. I learned about those things in Sunday school. In fact, in Sunday school one time I played I told you this a year or two ago at Christmas that I played actually the innkeeper. And I was so sorry that I had to turn the mother, Mary, and Joseph away from the inn. Big part. Huge, huge dramatic part. But my story was, as growing up until I was 19 years old, I didn't understand the idea that there was... Jesus Christ who not only, you know, talked about him at Easter on the cross, but actually that going to the cross was personally just for me. I hope you have that witness in your heart. Um, and if you don't, you can have it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, salvation. Saved from my sin. 
That's absolutely what happens with Jesus Christ dying on the cross, coming to the manger. In fact, Gabriel, the angel, said to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That word Jesus, which is Joshua in the Hebrew, is, is, is the redemption. It's brought back. And that's what it means. He saves or he delivers. He sets free. He releases. He rescues. That's what this name means, Jesus, Jesus means. From past sin, from present sin, from future sin. He, you know, we think, well, you know, I got a list. And uh, I got a list on you. And I got a list on that other person over there. And, you know, my list, my list is less than yours. I know, because I know you. Or my list might be greater than yours, and I'm pretty proud of it. This whole thing of comparison is easy, isn't it? When we see, uh, we, we try to compare sins or something, we see that out there, we see this. But here's, here's the thing that kind of settles, the scripture that kind of settles the playing field here, I think. 1 John 1.8, and this is kind of about those that think, well, you know, my sin is not as bad as that other person, so my sin, and I, you know, I, you know, it's, it kind of negates mine. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know, there's a, a great thing about this whole idea of being saved from my sin. One of the greatest sins that we fall into time and time again is me wanting to be in control, to be my own boss, even though I've given my life to Christ. And we fall into that. And, you know, Jesus saves us from that. That's why we need a Savior. You don't only need a Savior when you come to the Lord. You need a Savior for the rest of your life. You honestly do. We all, we all do. We need a Savior. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Now, someone said to me one time, this is when I was a young pastor. I was in this church in Edmonton. And I had a senior pastor, I was a youth pastor, believe it or not. Uh, uh, look at my face and my head now, you wouldn't think that, but I was. I was young. I was very young, 25. And he, he said this in a sermon. He said, and, and, and it was a great, it's a great illustration. You know, it's this, he said. When you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Good advice? It's okay, isn't it? It's good. Tie a knot and hang on. Anybody ever had to do that? That'd be a scary thing out, out on, you know, on the edge of a ship or on a scaffold or, you know. And that's good. You know, God can give us and does give us the ability and the, and the, the fortitude and the spirit that we can tie a knot and hang on. But I want you to think, want you to think about that a little different here. The truth of the matter is that God does come to our rescue. And he's, the, the whole illustration is this, that 
You know, we can be at the end of our rope and we have no way that we can tie it off. And that's really the, the, the picture of redemption. You can't tie off your own knot here in this, in saying, well, you know, I'm redeemed because I do good works or I do good things. I can tie a really good knots. No, you can't. This is one knot that you cannot tie. And that's the tie, the, the, the knot of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can't tie that knot. You can try to tie it. You ever try to tie a knot that's difficult to tie? Some knots aren't difficult to tie, right? You know, like, I don't know, I used to watch my mom sew and you know, she put the thread through there and then she'd tie it. And I've tried doing that. And my fingers, I try doing that now. That's a difficult knot to tie, but the knot that you can't tie and nobody in this world can tie is the knot of salvation. Saved from my sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't tie that knot off, folks. So, saved from my sin. We're also saved for a purpose. Um, we're saved for something. We're saved for him and his purpose. The number one thing we're saved for is that he wants to be able, for you to be able to open your heart and let him love you. And that's a knot you can't tie either. You've got, you got to ask Christ. He does love you. And you've got to receive him. No matter how unlovable you think you are, and you might think you're pretty unlovable this morning, out there, and uh, in, maybe you're watching online, you might think you're hopelessly unlovable. But God loves you anyway. And he wants you to open your heart and let him love you through all the hurts and the bitternesses and all the stuff that life has just kind of let drop on you. And he wants you to let him love you. And then love him back. Worship him. Begin living for him. And then loving others. That's what this manger thing is all about. It's Christmas. He sent his son as a babe to an awful dark world, become a man, the perfect sacrifice, and die for us on the cross and resurrected and triumphantly over death. So he saved me from my sin, he saved me for a purpose, and he saved me by God's grace, which is really already kind of gone into it talking about the knot. That's God's grace. It's from God. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Like I said, you can't tie off your own knot. It's the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. It's from God. It's from a lowly manger to a cross on Calvary to a resurrected from the grave Savior who now lives, it says, and prays for us in heaven, has left us his Holy Spirit to empower us here on this earth to get the work done of telling others. We're saved by God's grace. That's all backed up by grace, not backed up by you or me or what we can do or what some, you know, really brilliant person can do or gifted person can do. Thank God for giftedness. 
but it's all by grace. See, we have a foundation that gives us a full, thriving life at all times, in all ways, and in all circumstances, and it's by grace. Have you heard this one, Grace? You probably have God's riches given to you at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, right? He gives us what we need and not what we deserve. Isn't that a good thing? When you think about it, and that, those, grace will move you from darkness to light. Even you're, and, and you may be a Christian, like I said, and you might be going through some really rough times now. You may not have accepted Christ yet. And I'm telling you this morning that you can move out of that darkness. And you say, well, I don't have any darkness. Well, I knew I had darkness before I found Christ. You know, grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, like I said. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Like I said, you can't tie your own knot. You've got to take it by grace, receive it by grace. Grace is good. So the second purpose of Christmas is salvation the ultimate foundation that moves us from darkness to light immediately when you ask Jesus to be your Savior. The third purpose of Christmas is reconciliation. You know, it's the scripture there in Luke 2, 13 and 14. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's reconciliation. That's when a broken relationship is restored. And man's relationship, and woman, I'm thinking man generically, was, bro- was broken before God. That's the whole story. Brent mentioned it from the Garden of Eden to the cross. It all started way back in the Garden of Eden when man originally sinned. But there's something that reconciliation does, and I want to talk about three things quickly. And I want to ask you this question. What kind of peace does Jesus give you? What kind of peace does he give you? And how do we move from light, from darkness into light? Well, this is the peace he gives us. He gives us peace with God. He gives us the peace of God and he gives us the peace of others. Peace peace with God. Now that we have put right, it's uh, Romans 5.1. Now that we have put right with God, or have been put right with God, I'm sorry, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The word they use when we don't have peace is called enmity, which is, it's a, it just means, you know, it's broken. And there's no way you can get through the gap. You can't get across there to have peace with God. You have no way. But through his grace and his reconciliation, he, Jesus is a bridge between us and God. By trusting him, asking him to be our Lord, asking him to be, Lord means CEO, manager, uh, boss, 
in a very, I'm telling you, in a very polite way, I'm not saying, oh, this, the old, the, the man upstairs or something, I've heard people say that. No, that's, you know, it's the, he, he's, he's the Lord. He's the chief executive, chief executive officer of all of creation. He's not the universe. He created the universe. And he's the chief executive officer of the universe. And so, also, he's the chief executive officer of you. He created you, and he wants you to come to know Jesus Christ so he can work in your life and move in your life and, you know, really direct you around. It says, for as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be sons of God. Or he gave the right, is another, another uh, uh, translation. Even to those who believe or trusted in his name. Or have faith in his name. Peace with God is a, is, is a spiritual thing. It's been done in, in spiritually. Peace of God is not just, well, I'm feeling good today. So I have the peace of God. You know, nothing's disturbing me over here. You know, we, I remember as a, a young man, you know, they were always wanting peace in the Middle East, and they were signing this treaty, and they were signing that treaty, and they were uh, maneuvering over here and maneuvering over there, and they said, we are, finally have peace in the Middle East. Well, they didn't have peace, and there's no peace in the Middle East, because that's not peace. The only peace is, and it tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible says the only peace is the peace that Jesus Christ has brought through his sacrifice on the cross. And he's not only brought that for, you know, a whole bunch of people living over in the Middle East. He's brought it for you. And you need peace with God because it's a spiritual thing. It's the foundation and can be the foundation of your life if it isn't. It's from the, it can be the very center that you can build your life out of if you haven't. It's also the peace of God. You get peace with God, and then you get the peace of God, which is just the natural flow, I think. It's called, it's kind of like emotional freedom. And now, in this day in which we live, I'm seeing, and I think we're all been pulled into this thing where we, our emotional freedom, you know, can come and go, and it wavers around. But here is what Paul admonishes us. The guy that followed Jesus Christ after he met him on the road to Damascus, was blind and then saw again and became one of the greatest writers of the New Testament. He wrote this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That sounds like that might take care of some of the emotional things that you go through, anxiety, stress, whatever it is, we go through emotional things. That doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to shut my emotions down. That's not, that, emotions, we need to have emotions. We need to, uh, you know, be related to our emotions, so to speak, but they don't have to rule us. Because the peace of God is meant to rule us. And out of that peace, we can uh, live and move and walk around and 
You know, and not just, I'm just going to put a happy face on today because I don't know what any, what, don't want anybody to know what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the peace of God that, you know, um, you know, you may be dying, as it were, on the inside, but you know you have that peace of God and he's got it under, under control. His grace is enough for you. So peace with God brings us the peace of God. A stressed snowman can have a meltdown. Right? He has no other thing he can do but to melt down and let all his problems disappear. You can't do that. You can have a meltdown, but you'll still be there, right? And I'm sure many of us have meltdowns, and there's nothing to, you know, I mean, most of us had a meltdown once or twice in life, maybe. Uh, no, you, we have, haven't we? But you can't be a snowman. Being great if you could, you just kind of trickle under the door and leave those people that have caused the problem and the stress in your life, so to speak, they just leave them standing there, right? Because you made it out under the door. But it doesn't work like that, does it? God says, have my peace. Have the peace of God. Have the peace of God that passes all understanding and it shall rule in your hearts, which is your core, and in your mind. It will rule there. And then peace with each other. This is the relational peace. The, uh, Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount and he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If you know Christ, you know how to be a peacemaker. It's your choice because the Prince of Peace is with you. So you're not going to be a troublemaker. You really aren't. You want to be sometimes. Nothing wrong with that because things trouble you and uh, other people trouble you. But we need to be a peacemaker. And the only way we can have peace with each other is first by peace with God and then the peace of God that we might be at peace with each other. We don't see that going on really well in our world, do we? We do in little pockets. There's a lot of people, they can get along. But what, what is it? You're gonna, what are you going to do? You're going to build people up and not tear them down. You're going to compliment them and not criticize them. You're going to love people the way Jesus loves people. You're going to be a peacemaker, not because you know, you're going to go take a course downtown self-help building or whatever they have, and you know, you're just going to, you know, I'm just going to get A plus on this, and I'm going to be able to take it out there. No, 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 no. It's not something learned. It's something you gain the peace of God by being reconciled to God and continuing to be and following Him and growing in Him and loving Him and the peace of God, the peace with God and the peace with each other. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Who do you need to rebuild a relationship with this Christmas. That's a challenge. See, the grace of God can help us and show us what we need to do. And we say, well, you know, that other person actually caused it. They're at fault. I mean, I didn't do that. 
I didn't, I, they, they did it. That's not reconciliation because if God said, well, they did it down there, you know, in the garden, they blew it. I mean, where would we all be right now? We wouldn't be here. We would be lost, totally lost. So, in a sense, the, brand, the uh, manger talks about extending an olive branch. It's, that's what God did. He, you've heard that saying. He extended the olive branch. He did much more than that. He actually hung on the tree. This question is about moving away from darkness, moving into light. So we have this opportunity. And uh, this, uh, there's an opportunity that Linda mentioned earlier about extending an olive branch. is just a simple opportunity to invite somebody to a service here over the holidays. Christmas Eve and the day before, the evening before Christmas Eve. That they can really get the idea that Christmas, and they'll get that, from our service, that Christmas is much more than just a holiday that comes around once a year and we get happy for a little bit and then we, we, we are trying to pay off our credit cards and, and we're stressed and we're under it in January. It's not that way. Christmas is the babe in the manger that came to die on the cross. Acts 10.35 says, it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The gift is there. The baby Jesus coming to a manger is a gift to each one of us. It's the very center of the Christian message, but it points to the cross. To Jesus coming as the Messiah and teaching and preaching and healing and then going to the cross, which was his mission. Nobody, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it up. He didn't say, I'm not just being a martyr here. I'm not. So the purposes of Christmas, celebration. God loves us, is with us, is for us. Salvation, he saved us from our sin for a purpose. He saved us by his grace. Reconciliation, peace with God, peace of God, and peace with each other. And it's not just some nice story with some moral truth. Let me read you a quote from Oswald Chambers. It's the story that culminates in the cross. The greatest note of triumph that ever sounded in the ears of a startled universe was the sound of the sound of the cross of Christ saying it is finished and the manger points to that it has to point to that or we don't have a true Christianity we have a religion we don't have a relationship and there's a vast difference so stand with me as we pray This Christmas, you have an invitation. If you're watching online, if you're here in this auditorium, and you've never asked Christ in your life, you have an invitation to look into the manger and see Jesus was born that he might die for me. And if you 
want to cross that line, so to speak, and you want to ask Jesus into your life, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe in you, and I ask you to come into my life. And I receive you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Now for Christians here, Lord, may these purposes of Christmas, the celebration, the salvation, the reconciliation be more. May we know the peace and may it be amazing to us. May they be May we surrender and seek your face, the foundation of the full, thriving, living world, living living our lives that touch our world. I pray that for each family in this place, each person in this place. May we not just be alive, but may we thrive this Christmas on this message of love to us, the babe in the manger. I'll leave you with this scripture. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ending of a book, Jude. And now to him who can keep your feet, you on your feet, standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time, and now and to the end of all time. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.